Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. I would say this week, but we've already had two episodes this week. So uh, this is the episode where we are going to talk about this past week of wrestling because I have yet to do that this week. If you haven't checked out our episodes from earlier in the week, please do that now or after you listen to this one. Uh, we had Wrestle Roast's Dan St. Germain on, talk about some wrestling. In the most recent episode, we had Gato Moves Badian Aki on to talk uh, Choco Pro, his career. It was it was a really great talk. So if you haven't checked those out yet, please do. But this time around, we are going to talk about all the wrestling I watched this week. The good, the bad, the ugly, much like every single week on our weekly episode. And we're actually going to start with some New Japan Pro Wrestling to start off the show. Uh, the New Japan Cup came to a halt this past weekend as we have a winner. Um, the tournament had some great matches, some not-so-great matches, and, you know, a great run for a certain individual. So I want to break it down real quick of what I liked and what I didn't like. Uh, Shingo Takagi's run through the Cup was nothing short of impressive. Beating Kazuchika Okada in the first round instantly let you know that this is going to be the run of a lifetime for him. He also was able to defeat Hiroki Goto in the second round, uh, which was my third favorite match from the entire tournament. Uh, Shingo's in two of the three, uh, really three of the four if we can count the Okada one, which would place fourth. I thought what Shingo, you know, displayed here every single night was this intensity, this ability to never really slow down. And I think that's a real credit to him because this tournament can be grueling. It's it's over a two-week span where you wrestle a lot of matches at a high intensity especially the singles matches yeah they have the tag matches every other show but it's those singles matches where they go 20 30 minutes and they are absolutely beating the life out of each other so I thought what he was able to do in this tournament was nothing short of impressive and I do wonder uh where Shingo goes from here because Shingo ended up losing in the finals to Will Ospreay that match ended up being uh, what I thought was the best match of the entire tournament. That is my match of the week. 
the finals of the New Japan Cup in 2021. And it's not really shocking because Shingo and Osprey, you know, they have a history of great action. Uh, if you go back to the Best of the Super Juniors final, I believe two years ago now in 2019, that is one of the better matches of the past five years. And, you know, they wrestled a little different back then because they were both juniors and now they're heavyweights, so they're hitting a little harder. They are keeping a little more ground-based, but I thought this was a great match. It was a great match, and, uh, you know, you knew Osprey was going to win. I feel like that was kind of set from the beginning. Everyone knew Osprey was going to win, be the next challenger for Kota Ibushi. I don't think he's going to be the guy to beat Kota Ibushi, nor should he be that. But I thought they gave a great um, match here. Uh, the mix of story with incredible athleticism by both men really made for, you know, a perfect final. And I think what this tournament did was raise up the stock of Shingo Takagi to a point where a lot of fans hoped it would be eventually. Uh, you can see Takagi as a future IWGP World Heavyweight Champion if they want to go down that road, especially after his great match with Hiroshi Tanahashi earlier this year for the Never Openweight Championship. He's on the run of his life right now. Uh, he's having... You know, great match after great match. He's many people's wrestler of the year currently. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far personally, but I think what he's doing is great, and I definitely want to recognize him on here. The other match that I really loved, the second match on here, was the match between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Switchblade Jay White. I think, well, I thought the story that they told was, you know, magnificent. Uh, Tanahashi has added on, not really, like, Tanahashi's in great shape. I don't understand the point here. But he's 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 a little bulkier. He's not, you know, ripped out of his mind. And he's older now, so, like, nor should he have to be. But he still wrestles at the top of his game. He's my favorite in New Japan by far. And uh, Jay White is absolutely shredded out of his mind. And that's really the story they told. But the the fun part about Jay White's character is, you know, he's this cocky heel, leader of the Bullet Club, will do anything in his power to win, but he has a respect for Tanahashi. And I think it's that respect that brings out the best in those two. It's funny, when I first saw these two wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago, I wasn't a fan of either one because of that match. But this match really brought me in. It showed how much Jay White's improved. And it showed, you know, a it was a beautiful back and forth that ultimately resulted in White winning and showing that, hey, he's really got Tanahashi's number now. If this was a future world title program where Tanahashi is the one to beat White, I think that would be great for maybe Tanahashi's last IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I think that would be cool. Uh, but this definitely was my second favorite match of the tournament. Um, and it's definitely one I think anyone should go check out because Hiroshi Tanahashi is world-class. Jay White's at the top of his game. It's a, it's a great combo. Uh, let's move on to Friday Night SmackDown, which was a pretty good show heading into the Fastlane pay-per-view. So we saw Edge compete on SmackDown for the first time in a decade. He took on Jey Uso in the main event, 
And you know, it was a it was a great match. It was a great match because it allowed Uso to, you know, once again shine like a diamond while Edge, you know, was able to continuously shake off that rust. Um, it was a singles match that, you know, felt big. And I think that's a credit to where Jey Uso has gotten to. I was excited going into the show for it. And it was, it was a fun match. Uh, ultimately, Edge walked out as the winner, as many would expect. He became the enforcer for this past Sunday's Fastlane pay-per-view and the main event between Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. And really, that's all we need to talk about from SmackDown. So why don't we get in to the Fastlane pay-per-view, the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, you know, the the card was fine. It was their weakest pay-per-view so far this year, but I will say it was it had it had its bright spots, which some pay-per-views in WWE history don't always have those. So, you know, I'm someone that looks at it like that and takes it happily and appreciates the good stuff. On the kickoff show, Matt Riddle, oh, sorry, Riddle defended his United States Championship against Mustafa Ali, and he walked out with the title. And we saw that Retribution is now broken up. Uh, they laid out Ali after the match. And it looks like we could be getting uh, Mia Yim and Dominic Dijakovic back, which would be a win for all. This match was pretty good for a kickoff match. You know, it wasn't too long. They got a lot of good spots in, and it was ultimately a bro Derek from the top rope that won it for Riddle. So, not bad. The WWE Women's Tag Team Championships led off the show. I was hoping that Sasha and Bianca would lock out as the winners, but once again, they did not get along, and that led to Jackson Baszler escaping as the winners. Um, this is the first time, really, that we've seen Bianca and Sasha getting each other's faces angrily to the point of physical activity, and this is when Sasha slapped Bianca after the match across the face. And I think this is where the feud really needs to heat up. You got to keep Reginald out of it. You got to move on from the women's tag stuff and just let these two shine because these two are world class. These two are at the top of their game, and it's only right that they get to build to what should be the main event of night one, which is, you know, WrestleMania 37. I think. You know, I think that's what they've earned, and it, you know, it would be a shame in my mind if they didn't main event, because this week they were trending on Twitter, hashtag main event Banks versus Belair. That was trending on Twitter. Bailey tweeted it, um... Uh, a number of wrestlers tweeted it. Fans tweeted it. Like, this is a real movement, and I don't know how WWE avoids that. Uh, the, they also tweeted out a graphic this week, a moving match graphic, which got many people excited, including myself. 
that this is history in the making. And this match is history in the making. But solidify that history, make it the main event, call a day. Uh, Braun Strowman defeated Elias because Shane McMahon hurt his knee. Who gives a shit? This is awful and it remains the worst part of WWE television. Seth Rollins defeated Shinsuke Nakamura in a really good match. I thought this was... You know, I thought this was a really good match because what they were able to do to me was show how good Shinsuke is, but, you know, allow Rollins to win because Rollins needed to win because he's going to be fighting Cesaro at WrestleMania. That's clearly the direction we're going. And I thought it was a great match. It was a great showing by Shinsuke. It was my second favorite match of the night. And that's that. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship match, Big E versus Apollo Crews. I was very excited for this. These two were really kicking ass, and then they just kind of ended it on a weird pinfall. Where Big, excuse me, where Big E walked out as the winner, and it left a sour taste in my mouth because I wanted more out of these two. But clearly, this is going to be the WrestleMania match. And I said last week that this feud deserves to go there. And if that's if this was their way of getting there. That's fine by me. I think that I can appreciate that because these two deserve the biggest stage. I'd put them in a last man standing type match or something like that because I think these two are going to kick ass. I think these two are going to kick ass and have one hell of a match at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, The no holds barred match between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus was again really good. These two fought all around the arena, beat the life out of each other. Like, these two have never failed to have a physical match. And this was, you know, the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae of great physical matches for them. Uh, McIntyre ended up winning, of course, because he is the one going to WrestleMania. And I think... Him and Bobby are going to slap. I think that's going to be just as physical, if not more physical, and I'm really looking forward to that. Alexa Bliss defeated Randy Orton as The Fiend. Return to WWE. It's already been made official that The Fiend and Randy Orton will face off at WrestleMania. The Fiend was sporting a new look as he was burnt to a crisp in in a sense. He had like a flesh-type... Uh, tire, uh, I don't, I don't care, uh, the Fiend stuff has flown the coop on me since, you know, right after last WrestleMania, because I enjoyed the Firefly Funhouse extravaganza between him and John Cena, but it's really fallen off for me since then, and finally, the main event, the Universal Championship match, as Roman Reigns defended against Daniel Bryan with Edge as a special outside enforcer. Um, This match was fantastic. Uh, From start to finish, it was absolutely great. Roman Reigns, the way he wrestles, uh, it's, it's pure storytelling. And I think if you are a fan of... If you're a bigger fan of, say, Japanese wrestling... Uh, the Pure Style, or Joshi, or if you're like just a fan of that mostly, then this this is definitely not for you, because what Roman Reigns does is he tells a story, 
He's very physical, so that would be great. But he, you know, trash talks his opponents during the match. He tells this wonderful story, and I thought this was great for Daniel Bryan to be included. Uh, Daniel Bryan has worked himself into this feud in a beautiful fashion. And by the looks of the end of this, Daniel Bryan is going to be in that WrestleMania match. As we saw, uh, Jey Uso interfered in the match, taking out Edge, who, which was important because the referee was down. Edge became the referee, uh, the, so the regular referee was down. Edge stepped in as the enforcer to be the referee, make the call. And Jey Uso took him out. And this is where, you know, chaos ensued. Uh, Daniel Bryan cleared out Jay, had a steel chair. He was going to hit Roman. He hit Edge instead, but he gets, he got Roman into the yes lock. Roman's tapping out. You could see Roman tapping out for the first time ever in his career, but Edge didn't see it. Edge smashed Daniel Bryan on the back of his, on his back once, smashed Roman, smashed Daniel again, and took off and said, this is my moment. And I thought this was great in to move on to the next step, which is that main event. And this match was, again, fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to what they do in this triple threat match. I think that's going to probably be the best, if not one of the best matches of WrestleMania. And that's clearly where we're going. Um, Roman Reigns ended up successfully defending the title thanks to Edge, so... You got that story there. Really, really exciting, in my opinion. So that's that's the Fastlane card. A good show. Uh, the card on paper looked really good. So, you know, completing it like that was great. And Monday Night Raw brought us some big stuff. Uh, the Hurt Business has some problems. As Bobby Lashley doesn't like when Cedric and Shelton help him in matches. But he gets upset when they don't deliver for him outside of matches. Uh, they will be barred at ringside from WrestleMania after losing a handicap match with Drew McIntyre. So that's um, something to add in. And Bobby's kind of fed up with them. As I said, we're officially getting the feed, Fiend versus Randy Orton, which is very... Um, I don't know. It seems to be a regular match, so it's kind of uninteresting to me. Bad Bunny will make his in-ring debut as he has a singles match with The Miz. Yes, Bad Bunny will be in a singles match. It will not be a tag match with Damian Priest and John Morrison added. Nope. Bad Bunny is going to step up and, you know, try to do his best. And, you know... Out of all the celebrity matches and involvements we've had in past years, what we know about Bad Bunny is he loves, he loves this, he's interested in it, and I think, for me, that's good enough to be interested in what he does. And The Miz is a good hand to have do this. It's going to be a safe match, nor do I need Bad Bunny to be, you know, hitting a uh, suicide dive outside of the ring. I think this is going to be fun. I think... There's going to be a lot of shenanigans, but, you know, Bad Bunny's part in WWE for the past, I don't know, the past few months since Royal Rumble. Uh, I, I appreciate everything he's done. He's been one of the 
entertaining parts of Raw, and I guess, you know, I expect him to continue that. I don't see why he wouldn't be. Um, and the big, the big moment from Raw this week was the debut of Rhea Ripley. Asuka defeated Peyton Royce in the middle of the ring, and this is when Rhea Ripley walked out. Rhea Ripley revealed that Charlotte Flair has COVID-19, so that's, that's big in itself. Um, hope we wish her a speedy recovery. And Rhea Ripley is going to step up to Asuka. The match has been made official at WrestleMania. Night number two. Rhea Ripley faces Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. This is a marquee match, and I love the way they did this. It showed that Rhea Ripley is not afraid to step up to Asuka, and it showed that Asuka is not afraid to take on a challenge. She answered pretty simply, You're not ready for Asuka. I accept. And, you know, instantly this is great build to me. Uh, people have complained already. You know, it's not going to get the right build. Sometimes, to me, a big match, especially with like this between Asuka and Rhea Ripley, this is all you need. You just need that step up, that confidence, and I think this is going to be so great. Um, I'm happy Asuka gets to shine on, this raw, on the uh, WrestleMania stage as a champion, finally. So I'm going to take that, and I'm just going to appreciate that. Uh, here's some news bits from the week on WWE before we get into a quick stardom thing and then finish off with NXT and AEW. Um, Andrade, who I said requested his release last week, got his release, and... He will not have a 90-day um, th- uh, situation. He can sign wherever he wants now. And if I had to guess, Ring of Honor, who's having their 19th anniversary, um, I'm assuming this goes out Friday, so today, uh, that could be a good swap for him. That's where Roosh is, and that's, you know, him and Roosh are boys. It just seems like a decent spot for him. I know everyone wants AEW, but sometimes, sometimes I think it's better that not everyone goes to AEW. He'll be there someday, I think. But something tells me he's going to want to be with Roosh. Kane has been inducted into the Hall of Fame. He will be probably the headliner now that Batista is not going in because Batista would like to do it in front of a crowd. Uh, congratulations to Kane. The Great Kali also going into the Hall of Fame. And this has not been confirmed yet, but it does look like Rob Van Dam will also be going into the Hall of Fame this year. So a, a pretty loaded class. A lot of top talent. Uh, they don't have that headliner necessarily, like a Rock or Undertaker that's still out there. But I think Kane's you know, a good headliner for this class. And... Overall, it's a really good class, and I'm looking forward to the um, induction. So, congratulations to them all. Uh, my quick stardom note is that Azumi versus Starlight Kid, to me at least, could be the feud that you know leads leads stardom into this great boom because they are already booming right now, absolutely booming. And what these two are able to do against each other. I think they're going to be mega stars. I think Azumi's already a star. I think Starlight Kid is, you know, in that future star role. And these two, I feel, 
can be that feud that builds them up. They can be two just major stars for stardom. And I just wanted to bring that up because I was watching Starlight Kid in a match and I was just thinking that because I'm very I've been very vocal about how high I am on Azumi. But I wanted to give shine to Starlight Kid because these two are going to be a fantastic feud over the wonder of stardom, world of stardom. Like, I think the sky is the limit for both of them. As long as they are feuding with each other, have each other, stardom, wrestling fans are better off for it. So let's jump into NXT as the NXT TakeOver... NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver card, sorry, couldn't remember the name, is really taking shape. Uh, EO versus Raquel had their next step in the feud as Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai defeated Zoe Stark and EO Shirai. After that match, Raquel Gonzalez laid out EO on the announce table, really creating this, you know, boiling feud, which will main event night one of TakeOver. And it's hard to see this not being Raquel's night. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, give my preview next week uh, for this and the stardom pay-per-view, but it's going to be really hard for me to see any other result other than Raquel because clearly they're huge on her. And EO's done so much for that division, so much with that title. She's really been a shining star. Uh, but Raquel is clearly someone they want to build up and it feels she could have a decent run coming. Uh, Bronson Reed versus LA Knight happened this week, which was kind of shocking because it felt like it could have been a takeover match. You know, it would be, it would be a fine match, you'd think, for Knight to get a big win over a up-and-coming competitor. But it was Bronson Reed who walked out as the winner. And I'm very excited because I think Bronson Reed is a future NXT North American champion. I think he's got... The potential, I think he's finally got the character, so I'm really excited about that. Um, LA Knight, you know, lost in the middle of the ring. Second match, kind of shocking. Oni Lorkin and Danny Burch had to relinquish the NXT Tag Team titles due to an injury to Danny Burch's shoulder, which is, you know, kind of key because that is giving us a takeover match between MSK the grizzled young veterans and Legado de los Fantasmas, Joaquin Wild and Raul and Mendoza. That match is going to be incredible. And it's tough for Oni. It's tough for Danny because, you know, to me, Pete Dunne deserves a... I feel like he could have filled in that spot. Uh, they could have made a fatal four-way and whoever wins is the new champions. But it's tough. And that's the way they went. Uh, Killer Killer Cross. Carrying Cross destroyed Oni Lorcan in the middle of the ring. Finn Balor came out to get in his face. He said, I found your weakness. And the weakness was clearly Scarlet. It's going to be an interesting main event. It's, you know, the biggest match the men's division has. 
in NXT, and I'm really excited to see who walks out as the winner of that. The way the NXT North American Championship will be decided is 12 men will step into the ring next week. It will be a battle royal. The final six competitors will enter a NXT North American Championship Eliminator Gauntlet. And in the order that they are eliminated in the Battle Royal will be the order of how they come out in the Eliminator Tournament. That will be happening on Night 1. And Night 2, they will face off with Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. Uh, Dexter Loomis, Pete Dunne, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Bronson Reed, L.A. Knight, Cameron Grimes, Kushida, Jake Atlas, Leon Ruff. The list goes on and on. I don't know how many I missed. But it's a pretty loaded uh, battle royal. And it should be fun. Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT United Kingdom Championship on night one will be happening. And uh, if you're a fan of Walter, if you're a fan of Ciampa, you have to be a major fan of this match. This is going to be hard hitting. Walter has been great since coming over for this. Um... You know, he's probably only here for this little run, but I'm very excited to see this match. Uh, they've, you know, really bought me in. And that's that. The Cruiserweight Championship match between Santos Escobar and Jordan Devlin will now be a ladder match. The winner will come out as the one and only Cruiserweight Champion. And finally... Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly will be an unsanctioned match. It will be the co-main event of Night 2 of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And that match is going to be insane. These two are going to do everything in their power to bring the best out of each other, but also beat each other's heads in. And I think their feud has been nothing short of excellent to this point. So that's all the A, uh, not AEW. That's all the NXT talk. We will preview the show, like I said, next week. And until then, you know, keep up with NXT because it's it's getting really good. They have a solid, at least to me, they have a solid build right now. A lot of the matches feel important. A lot of the matches look to be entertaining and it should interest you that's that's just me i think i think it's going to be a great two nights um part of wrestlemania week so let's get to AEW before wrapping up this show. AEW had another great episode this week. As Kenny Omega, the AEW champion, started off the week fighting Matt Seidel. Um, it was a great match, as you would expect with these two. Omega ended up winning, of course, with the one-winged angel. But it was Seidel who really shined here. They gave him... A beautiful near fall. It was a beautiful near fall where Kenny kicked out, you know, a 2.9 after a wonderful roll-up out of the one-wing and angels position. And, yeah, you know, Omega won because there's no reason he shouldn't have won. But it, it's a great 
it's a great way to continuously build Omega, you know, making him look great and not always needing help, especially against, you know, the likes of a Matt Seidel, who I'm not saying is any slouch, but he shouldn't need help against a Matt Seidel. Um, Lance Archer wants Sting. This is clearly the direction we're going. I don't know how to feel about that, but hey, that's just me. Britt Baker without for a promo following her incredible all-timer AEW match with Thunder Rosa last week, which was the unsanctioned light to out match. Britt Baker just absolutely dropped fire on everyone. Um, taking the microphone. She shot at my, uh, McFoley saying it took him 20 years to become a hardcore legend. It took her one night. She made AEW the second most important three letters in professional wrestling after DMD. And she told Tony Khan to stop bringing has-beens because they have a legend right there in Britt Baker. She is on another level right now, ladies and gentlemen. She's on another level in promos. She had a, you know, the match of her career last week. She is a star. She is everything they want her to be and more. And I think that's a credit to her and what she's willing to do to become that star. You know, she didn't have to do that crazy match last week, but she did it. And she really showed that she belongs in that type of situation. She belongs in any situation. And the sooner they put the title on her, you know, the better. I love Hikaru Shida, but I do think Britt Baker's title run is coming sooner rather than later. Christian versus Frankie Kazarian will be next week. That will be Christian's debut match. So that's interesting. Um, that will be, you know, massive. Uh, Christian Cage, you know, debuting. And it will be against his friend, Frankie Kazarian. Team Taz is clearly not okay. They had this interesting promo where they, you know, talk back and forth and <clears throat> and Taz was trying to say how Team Taz is fine you know Brian Cage apologized and we're good to go and you could see Cage's face signaling yeah that might not be the case but for now it is it looks like we're going to be turning Brian Cage babyface soon, which is an interesting way to go. QT Marshall had a promo saying that he's sick of being in Cody's um, shadow. And he feels he can't be the guy he wants to be until he's out of that shadow. So he challenged him to a match next week. Cody gave it to him. And uh, we're going to see it. Uh, Cody Rhodes also has his own version of Mrs. and Mrs. That will be airing on TNT. Uh, I think it's called Rhodes to the Top or something. Um, I probably will check it out once or twice. But it's not going to be something that I watch you know, a lot. Because I don't have much interest. But I'll check out the first episode probably. The Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid teamed up to face, oh, the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. This match absolutely kicked ass, as it usually does with the Lucha Bros. Uh, so for those who don't know, Pac injured his shoulder. He was kept out of action this week. He'll be kept out of action next week. 
But wow, these um, anything with Phoenix is just f- fucking awesome, people. I can't say enough good things about Phoenix. Phoenix is the best male wrestler in the world when it comes to in-ring ability. I will keep saying it and saying it and saying it. When it comes to strictly in-ring ability, he is the best. And he showed it again. Pentagon showed his greatness. Laredo Kid shined like an eagle. Laredo Kid got the final pin over Brandon Cutler. And he's going to be back next week for another match. But my oh my, like what they're able to do is so exciting. And when we get Pac in... Phoenix versus the Lucha Bros down the line, uh, against the Young Bucks down the line. That match is going to be incredible. But Pentagon made it very clear he also wants those tag titles. So the Lucha Bros could be going for them if him and Pac fail. It's it's an interesting dynamic. I wonder, I don't know how long Pac is out for. Hopefully not too long because I think Pac and Phoenix are a great team in themselves. And I think, you know, these interesting dynamics of how these teams work are very exciting. But yeah, Phoenix, incredible. This match was incredible. You have to check it out. I'm not going to even try to sum up what happened because you can't sum up what happens in a Phoenix match. I'm sorry, you just can't. After the match, Kenny attacked, um, uh, getting in the Young Bucks' face saying, you left me. You, You left me for Brandon Cutler. You... He cut this great promo saying how, you know, he left Japan. He left New Japan, the place that loved him. He loved them. He left them. He didn't sign with WWE. He even acknowledged he didn't sign WWE, which is Greener Pastors, a.k.a. Money Money. Yeah, yeah. What he did was follow the Young Bucks. He signed with AEW to be with the Young Bucks. And they turned their back on him. He twisted it in a way that, you know, you... you Bought into it because Kenny really did do that. Like, that, that isn't a story that's really falsified. He could have went to WWE and got paid mega money. He could have stayed in New Japan, a place where he became so comfortable and so important to them. He would have been, you know, one of their top stars still. But no, he left because he wanted to be with his friends. He wanted to be with the elite and they have turned their back because of Don Callis. No. And I think this is a great promo. After the match, the Lucha Bros attacked him because he was beating down Laredo Kid. Next week we'll get Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid which should kick even more ass. You know, Phoenix is really just like their saving grace. They're like, you know, we're going to put him on every match, going to put him on every show, and he's going to shine because that's how good he is. Jade Cargill uh, cut a fantastic promo, um, you know, pretty much saying to Red Velvet, we're both undefeated in singles competition. There's only one, there's only room for one on top, and they're clearly going to go that direction. I don't know when that match is going to happen, but my oh my, do they have a shining star in Jade. Uh, John Moxley and Andy Kingston promised that they would get payback on the Good Brothers down the line. Not not too much there. Uh, Tay Conti defeated Nyla Rose in the middle of the ring. A former AEW Women's Champion losing in the middle of the ring to Tay Conti. And, you know, she is continuously rising up the ranks. It's clear how much she's improved since her WWE days. And she's really 
establishing herself as a future star for them. And, you know, I say future, and some people may get angry at, like, what, she's a star now? But listen, listen. To me, to me, it takes time to really become a star. She's a future star. Not everything has to be instant, continuously built, because she still has room to improve. She's not perfect, but she has the makings to be very good in that ring and a very good competitor in that division and a future AEW Women's Champion. I'll say that now. I think that's what she is. The main event saw Darby Allen defend the TNT Championship against the Dark Order's um, John Silver in what turned out to be a really fun match. Uh, John Silver has really built himself up over the past year to be more than just a tag team guy with Alex Reynolds. He showed his character on being the elite on AEW Dynamite, and that's a credit to him. Um, if you listen to the interview that we ha- that I had with Balian, um, which is last episode, we talked about how AEW is incredible, and if you have a character like a John Silver who you know calls himself Johnny Hungy and is, you know, charismatic in his own way and is able to be something more than just a wrestler, a great wrestler, you can grow. And that's what he did. He grew himself into this main event spot for the TNT Championship. He shined brighter than ever. And while he got hurt, he injured his shoulder. He had a great match. This was a great match. Darby ended up walking out and still the winner. But, you know, John Silver's a guy that you can see down the line winning a TNT championship, being this ultimate underdog that the fans are cheering for. And I think that's, you know, awesome for him. I think that's awesome for him. And Silver's just really good. He's really entertaining. And I really do look forward to seeing where he can rise to in the future. But that is the AEW show. Another great week. Another great week of wrestling. If you want to follow me, you can check out my articles um, at Last Word on Sports slash Pro Wrestling. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Scotty Wrestling, W R A S S L I N to be exact. And, you know, continue to listen to this podcast because I'm just trying to grow, folks. I. Love professional wrestling. I love it. I love every part of it. I want this to be, you know, a major part of my career. And, you know, that that interview with Balian really opened my eyes to what this could become. And I hope you see the passion every single week that I do have for this. I hope you appreciate what I'm trying to do because I know so many wrestling podcasts are out there and it's hard to be different and people review shows every week. I do that, but I'm trying to bring so much different things. I'm trying to keep this positive spin on it. I love professional wrestling. We are in a great time in professional wrestling. Despite the pandemic, we are in a great time. Um, professional wrestling is booming and I really love it. And I hope you can feel that love. And I really thank you for listening and That's that. So, until next time, be safe and have a good one, everybody.
もまた美学でしょう」